0: A star-spanning saga of ancient magic and deep science, vividly told by a modern master, says Dave Gibbons. Kelly Sue states, the kind of epic you crave, both noun and adjective, and that doesn't even quite capture Liam Sharp's astonishing scope and vision. There's magic in these pages. Matt Fraction calls it jaw-dropping and epic and massive. He also says, this is a gorgeous and incredible and massive swing for the stars that declares his ambitions have taken him to some exciting and undiscovered territories. Bravo, congrats, cheers, and exhale. This is glorious. What are they all talking about? Liam Sharp's upcoming six-issue series, Starhenge, from Image Comics. Liam himself says of the series, I wanted to do my own Image comic for 30 years. I've wanted to do a Merlin comic for even longer than that. This is a culmination of so many dreams and ambitions of mine finally being realized, and that makes it the most exciting and personal comic project I've ever done. I can't wait to see it on the shelves. It's also been described as a mashup of the Green Knight and Terminator with all the Arthurian legends, time travel, and killer robots that entails, plus Merlin, magic, and mayhem. The first issue debuts in comic shops on July 6th, with final order cut off on June 13th. So now's the time to tell your retailers to order you a copy. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. As promised, this is your DC Spotlight for the DC Pride Anthology. This is, uh, I, I guess, the second volume they did a the DC Pride last year, um, and now they're, they're bringing it back this year. I'm pretty sure last year uh, that all the creators involved uh, were uh, identified as uh, LBGTQ+. Uh, I, for, I know for a fact this year, everybody for sure does, uh, and I think that was the case last year. Maybe, maybe there were some letters um, that didn't, but I, I mean, for the most part, certainly the writers and the artists, and that's the case again this year. So uh, it's, you know, June is Pride Month, and it's great that these people who have been marginalized for so long are getting representation in comics. Uh, that being said, you know, this is not exactly the book that's aimed at, at us. You know, we're not exactly the audience, straight white guys, who... Never have had a problem looking at comics and the characters therein, and you know seeing who who I identify with represented. I mean, I'm kind of the default, right? Live life on the easy setting, as it were. Um, even though I'm half Hispanic, I don't look at it at all, and I've never really been um, like prejudiced against or anything like that. Um, and Rocky's Canadian, so he's had his own share <laughs> of prejudices over over the years. Uh, but you know, I, again, I'm glad that this exists. I'm glad that, uh, people are getting to, to see heroes and, and uh, stories with people that they can identify with. Hey, that, that person's like me, that person's non-binary or that person's lesbian or that person's gay or whatever. Um, so I think it's great. Now, that being said, if some people think it's too political or it's too like in your face, nobody's forcing you to buy this. It's certainly not ruining comics. It's one book. Um, and here's the thing, like, you have, whatever, 70 years, seven decades, eight decades of books to be able to go back and look at where it wasn't this, right? So even if the pendulum is swinging a little bit too far uh, and this is a little too in your face, I think that's okay because, again, they've been neglected for so long. And kind of on that note, before I give the credits, Rocky's got it up on the screen right now, um, It's is it Nicole or is it Natalie? I always forget. I heard- uh, it says yeah, forward her, by Nicole. Nicole, yeah, Nicole Maines, who's a tran- transgender actress. She was in Supergirl. She played Dreamer, and in last year's Pride, she she wrote uh, the Dreamer story in there and introduced her. Uh, it was her day de- that character's debut in comics. That's the character she played on the Supergirl show, and she talks in this forward. And I would suggest that everybody who picks this up, read it. She talks about certainly where she grew up in in Maine, <laughs> that there was nobody around her that she could look to or ask advice of or you know there was nobody that she could identify with nobody like her and certainly you know and she's not that old so i think she's in her early 20s so you know even you don't have to go that far back before you didn't really see transgender or lgbtq uh, stuff like on television or whatever i think it was the ellen show right that had like the first uh inter uh same sex kiss uh, on a show. And that I remember that being a big deal. And that was like the mid 90s. Right. So it's yeah. not it's not in the context of human uh, you know, society, human civilization. It hasn't been that long. So it's great, again, that this is happening now and its representation and its diversity. And I know for some people, those are like bad words, but man, I, I just live and let live. Right. If, if two people love each other and they want to be together, I don't really care what sex they are. It doesn't affect my life. And I feel like the people that scream and rail against it and say it's ruining, you know, society or whatever, it's like, because you're letting it, you're letting it bother you like live and let live. If they're not hurting anybody and they're not harming anybody, then, you know, more power to them. So uh, I do encourage you to read that story from, uh, from Nicole or that article, that introduction, because it, it does give some perspective on why these types of stories are, uh, are important. So, That being said, I think there's 10 or 12 stories in here, so there's a lot to cover. So It's over 100 pages, so let me give the credits, and we'll start diving in. Uh, First story, Super Pride, written by Devin Grayson. Nick Robles is the artist. uh, Triona Farrell on colors. Aditya Bidikar on letters. Then we have Confessions by Stephanie Williams as writer. Megan Hetrick is the artist. Marisa Louise on colors. Ariana Mayer on letters. Think of Me by Rose Stein and Ted Brandt, writer and artist. Frank Vetekovic on letters up at bat by Jadza Axelrod. Lynn Yoshi is the artist. Tamara Bonvillan does the colors. Ariana Mare on letters, a world just a world kept just for me by Alyssa Wong as the writer. W Scott Forbes is the artist. Ariana Mare on letters, the gumshoe in green written by Tinney Howard. Evan Cagle is the artist. Lucas Gattoni on letters, public display of electromagnetism. Written by Greg Lockhart. Giuliano MacGallone is the artist. The bit on letters. Bats in the Cradle by Stephanie Phillips as the writer. Uh, Samantha Dodge is the artist. Marisa Louise on colors and Louis Gatone on letters. Special Delivery, uh, written and drawn, <coughs> excuse me, by Travis Moore. Enrica Aaron Angelini is the colorist. Ariana Mayer on letters. The Hunt by Danny Fernandez. As the writer, Zoe Thoroughgood is the artist, Jeremy Lawson on colors, Aditya Bidikar on letters. Are You Ready for This? Uh, written by Danny Lohr and Ivan Cohen. Brittany Williams is the artist. Enrica Aaron Angelini is the colorist, and Ariana Mayer on letters. And finally, Finding Batman, written by Kevin Conroy. That's right, the voice of Batman from the animated series. Is uh, the writer Jay Bone as the artist and Aditya Bidikar on letters. There's also some pinups. There's a Shiny Knight pinup by Pete Craig Russell. There's a Ghostmaker pinup by J.J. Kirby, Galaxy and Dreamer by Jess Taylor and Rye Hickman. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into uh, the first story. It's uh, it's interesting because not you know not every single character in this book, uh, the main characters is uh, LGBTQ because we have Damien here. Uh, but he's teamed up with Superboy, John Kent. So the dynamic here is so so strange for me. Uh, that's the thing that I kind of focused on because for as I was reading it, I sort of forgot about um, their relationship. I, I really forgot how close they were. I forgot that they, you know, basically had their own title, the Super Sons, for, for quite a while. Yeah. because john seems so much older and um i don't want to say wiser but kind of more mature than damien and damien's kind of a little he comes across a little bit as a little kid in the story um so much so that yeah i forgot And they used to be so like on the same wavelength so uh, you know it didn't necessarily remind me of that thing that we hate that we won't talk about but um i just thought it was interesting and then i realized till later i'm like oh wait a second these guys were we're best friends, and now that their relationship has definitely changed and evolved, but uh, it is—it's a, a fine story. It didn't blow me away. Seeing Superman, you know, again, Superboy, Superman, whatever you want to call him, wearing a, a cape that has the rainbow inside of it, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting uh, that he was a little nervous to you know be seen on a a float riding in this uh, pride parade. But I think it's true that what, what they tell him, like, God, yeah, this is exactly what your dad would do. You know, maybe he wouldn't uh, wear the cape with the rainbow inside because he himself is not um, gay. But I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe he would. Maybe Superman would. He's, he's certainly all about representation. So, yeah, this was a fine story. Um, I thought the art by Nick Robles was fine. The colors are, are, are really bright by Triona Farrell very much suits kind of the rainbow feel of, uh, of the story. So yeah, it, I, I thought this was a good one to start off with. Um, so Devin Grayson did a, a good job. I, I wish Devin Grayson wrote more DC stuff. She was, she was a really good writer back in the day, uh, for DC. I, I enjoyed a lot of the stuff that she did, uh, especially on Nightwing. So, uh, anyway, what'd you think of the first story?
1: Uh, well, the first story I think is probably one of, I thought it was maybe one of the better ones here. Uh, I thought it did a very good job of, uh, you know, Superman. Uh, John Kent is the uh, clearly the highest profile, probably not, probably not the most popular LGBTQ member of the DC universe. That's probably Harley Quinn with Poison Ivy, but uh, John Kent is probably right up there, a fairly high profile character. And this story really ends with him saying, "Today, here, right now, I want it to mean, I want." I want it to mean that I see you, that I am you, and he's speaking to other people who are LGBTQ. And so that that's the strong message that comes across. And I want to be very clear here that there's there's two ways that I'm going to be reviewing these stories. And the the one thing I can say about all of them, this one in particular, is that this if if you're someone I can easily see that if you're if you're a member of the LGBTQ community and you just like romance and you want to, and you want to, you like superheroes and you love comics. This really is something for you. There's, you're going to enjoy this because this has superheroes, uh, uh, being you know, you know, kissing each other, showing love, showing support. This is it. Uh, and so, full, full kudos to, to all these stories that has that. Now, I'm going to criticize some of the characterizations, which are a little off. And this is written by Devin Grayson, good writer. But uh Damian Wayne would would never act like this. Uh Damian Wayne, if John Kent asked Damian Wayne, do you think it's a good idea that I wear a pride cape for a parade, Damian Wayne might might say to him, like Damian Wayne did say here, Damien did tell him that, well, your your dad would support you, your dad would of course support you, of course he would. But Damian Wayne would probably say something more on the lines of, "Well, um, your your enemies are probably going to throw homo you know homophobic slurs at, at you. Your enemies are going to use it against you. You uh, you know I, I would think Damian would be a little bit more in your face with the criticism, not of who his his best friend is because they're super sons, they're they best friends. But I think I, I picture Damian being a little bit more protective of him, saying you sure you want to do this because this is what's going to happen to you and your enemies are going to do this and your enemies are going to do that. They're going to use this. They're going to use this against you. I thought, I think that would have been a more interesting way of bringing in sort of the prejudice in society into the story. I realize it's just a short story and maybe I'm being, you know, again, I'm just trying to, I'm looking at it from a character point of view. I will, uh, and that, that wasn't the point of the story. I get that, but I would have liked to have been Damien just a little bit more protective and saying, I, are you sure you want to do this? Because, you know, Damien will protect. I mean, you know, Damien would kick the butt out of anybody that would insult her and throw a slur at his friend. Uh, but that was, it's a minor nitpick. But beyond that, uh, the art was great. And, you know, the idea of super, Superman, John Kent wearing that pride cape, I really I, I really thought it was a, it was a nice message uh, for anyone reading the story.
0: Yeah, I, I sort of feel the same, same way. And it goes back to what I said, like, Um, there's aspects of these stories that I don't particularly care for. It doesn't have anything to do with it being, you know, same sex couples. If, you know, if this were a a Valentine's day issue and and every story ended up with, you know, the, the people that are in a relationship kissing, you know, that's just not my cup of tea. It's like (laughs) romance comics, you know, it's it's not my thing. So it's not that they're same sex kissing. It's that, man, every one, every one of them, like story ends with a kiss. I mean, it's not true. Not everyone ends with a kiss, but it's like, there's, snuggling and whatever. And again, I totally get it. And I don't have a problem with it. Because it's like, man, this, this hasn't been a thing, right? And this needs to be out there. And these stories need to be told people, it needs to be normalized, because it is normal for people to love each other, regardless of their sex. So I get it. But at the same time, it's it's kind of they're kind of romance stories. And again, it's just not my particular cup of tea. So as we move on to the, the second story, uh, that's exactly what we see. So again, Stephanie Williams writing uh, Megan Hetrick, Marisa Louise, Ariana Mare. Um, it's called Confessions, and Nubia is telling the story uh, about this sword that uh, that Io had made for her, um, and she had broken it when, in a fight in man's world, and she's making the confession that she didn't really break it the way that she initially said she did, or had told her she did. She, <laughs> she defeats this, <coughs> this wild green bird pretty easily, actually, <laughs> and What happens is, uh, as she finishes that battle relatively quickly, Big Barta shows up and recruits Nubia to come and be part of this uh, wrestling match that's going to benefit some uh, LGBTQ charity. And that's, in this match, fighting against Giganta, it's a tag team match, that's how the sword gets broken. And I guess Nubia was just a little embarrassed to to say so. So uh, I was like, really, Nubia? I don't think anything less of you, you know, because you were wrestling. It just shows that... you know, you're somebody who's going to help people that are in need. And you heard that, you know, Barda needed somebody to fill in because this other Amazon angel person that was supposed to be at the show dropped out for whatever reason and couldn't make it. So uh, I did appreciate that sentiment of it. It's showing that Nubia, you know, she doesn't limit who she helps to Themyscira or her Amazonian sisters or, you know, people outside of man's world or people in Man's world. She's going to, if she hears that there's somebody in need, she's going to help them. So uh, I, I like that, and the other part of this is, I, I could swear that did we have a, a story, something of Nubia in the recent past where she, she was involved with a man in a past life. Was that her, or am I thinking of some, some a different Amazon that came out of the Well of Souls? Because uh, I thought, I, I thought, wasn't it in the in well, the anthology that we just had? Oh, where she, Nubia was remembering back to a, pre, a previous her previous life before she came out of the Well of Souls. Well, she
1: was a princess. Yeah, she was a yeah. she was a princess in a far off land. But I don't know. Uh, I, thought, yeah, I think I thought, she had a husband. Yeah, I think she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had yeah, a husband. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. So, she so that, that is. So I believe yeah, she's that
0: bi, is, bisexual. I, I, yeah. I, I. Yeah, and, I and that's it. that's kind of what I'm I'm getting at. Like, yeah. and you and I have had this conversation before. It's like anybody who thinks that women. You know, because again, no for a long time, no man was allowed to set foot on Themyscira. These very vital and energetic and beautiful women—you think they're all on that island themselves, and they, they don't have any kind of sexual desires, and they're not hooking up? Like that's ridiculous <laughs> to think. So, yeah. I like the idea of—I would think that you know, based on that situation, that most Amazons would be bisexual. So, uh, so that, you know, again, or, don't or have or a problem you, you with think it. the
1: well of souls would make them bisexual, but but that's another—that's probably a touchy. itself. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cruel if you're not if I mean imagine being on an island and you're you're a woman and there's only women. I mean it'd be kind of cruel if you weren't attracted to women, but again, you know that's a that's another topic
0: yeah uh, but yeah but, I mean again we and if everybody we should remind everybody, we should have said it at the, at the beginning if you're looking for uh, our thoughts on the other d c books. Uh, it's on the DC spotlight yesterday, and then there was a separate one just for a Dark Crisis. Yeah. But uh, Rocky and I, we both thought that there was potential in uh, Nubia and the Amazons, a new number one that started. It's called New Beginnings. But man, it just seems like it's always potential with Nubia, and it never pays off. So yeah. um, did this pay off for you? Did you find that? Because I, I actually well, enjoyed this short story more than that well, Nubia number one.
1: Uh, I'll give some credit to Stephanie Williams because she incorporated wrestling. It's like WWF wrestling yeah. here with Big Barda and uh, you know <laughs> Giganta. So that it was kind of funny. Uh, I, I think uh, the I think the art was not not. You know, I thought the art was a little bit uh, felt a little bit amateurish. You know, Megan Petrick on the artist is not really. A, you know i find that the backgrounds weren't really that uh, prominent or anything else but and uh, the the color you know the colors uh by uh, marisa luis weren't uh, um you know i guess they weren't bad but it, you know altogether this was fun this was i mean this was this was a fun i mean this is exactly the type of story you expect in an anthology and whenever you have some good old fashioned uh, wrestling it's for a good cause and uh you know it it reminded me a little bit of that scene in uh, Rocky Three with Rocky Balboa fighting the Hulk Hogan, where it suddenly becomes serious and what have you. So is uh, it, you know? I think I, I could tell. But Stephanie Williams, I think she probably had some fun writing it, and Megan Petrick had some fun drawing it, so it's a, it's a good little story. And, uh, you know, and again, it's got a nice... It's called Confessions, because, you know, in an intimate way, you know, um, Nubia sort of is confessing what really happened to the sword, and it, it was sweet. It was sweet. So I think a lot of people like, will get a kick out of it.
0: Yeah, and... You know, again, re- the wrestling uh, aspect of it, like you mentioned, did, did you know that there are a lot of cross? There's a lot of crossover fans, fans that love wrestling and love comics. So, uh, okay, up next we have uh, the uh, Green Arrow story, and, and this is the uh, not not Oliver Queen, but um, Con- the Connor Hawk, uh by Rostein and Ted Brandt. and th- this was interesting. I always assumed that. Uh, That Connor Hawk was either gay or bisexual, but we find out, again, I haven't read every Connor Hawk story, but I certainly um, read the, I was reading Green Arrow at the time that he was introduced and I I did enjoy that, that run in the nineties of him. Um, But yeah, this one in the context, it's sort of narrated uh, with this letter that he's trying to write to his mom, where he's confessing to her that he's asexual. So, uh, and while he's doing that, he's Fighting against uh, the music master—is that the guy's name? I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I've never heard of this guy. Ca- it's kinda, yeah, kind of cacophonous.
1: Is that his name, cacophonous, or maybe okay. I don't know?
0: Sorry. Uh, I thought it was. I thought he said it was music master, but maybe I'm, um, I'm wrong. M- maybe it yeah, is. Yeah, music music meister. That's meister. It. meister. That's, okay. So yeah, I, this I, should. Yeah, this should keep you out of trouble until I've gotten what I need from music meister, uh, and he puts on some earplugs. So. Yeah. I I do find it interesting that, you know, he's attacking this guy who's uses sound as a weapon in this opera theater, uh, because obviously opera acting, you know, a lot of masks, a lot of being something you're not. And it kind of mirrors very well what's being told in the letter. So I thought this one was, was really clever, um, kind of metatextually. And yeah, I learned something I didn't know about Connor Hawk. I didn't realize, um, so one good thing about this one is it doesn't end in a, in a kiss, right? Because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't care. He's not attracted to men or women. Yeah. He doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> and then Damien shows up at the end and he's just like, man. And I do love what Damien has to say here. And it's great that they brought Damien in at the end because he's like, man, take it from a person who knows complicated maternal relationships. Right. Cause obviously his mother's Talia al Ghul, his relationship with her always complicated. It's like some things are better said in person and yeah. Um, that's true and I mean again this is a story going back to what we said at the beginning where maybe somebody who's having a hard time coming out to their parents or friends or whoever can read this and and take that line that Damien says, hey some things are you know better said in person and, and we'll give them the courage to you know say what they need to say uh, in person because man it's it's hard to hide who you who you are. I don't have to tell uh, a lot of people that lived through it. Uh, and know better than I, but uh, I thought that was uh, a good way to end the story. Anyway, uh, what are your thoughts? Anything to add? Uh, well, the line that uh,
1: most hit me, he said, is, uh, when everyone in the orchestra thinks your silence is an aberration, or an aberration, and uh, he, I guess he gets really tired of being teased about going out on dates, and he doesn't really want to go on dates. And he's, He wants, he he imagines, and he loves, and he desires to have companionship, but not with his body more with his mind he likes having a meeting of the minds and I guess that's asexual you don't you don't want to mate with anybody you but that doesn't mean that you don't want to form lasting friendships and be and have that feeling that that bond and what have you I honestly this was a little bit the whole asexuality thing I I fully confess to be I guess I need to be educated more on it I I have a very difficult time thinking that this is at this, I, I I wouldn't even put. I didn't think that was a letter in the alphabet uh, of LGBTQ. That asexuality is is really a thing. I I've heard of, I've heard of it before, but um, I I think it's a little. Uh, I actually, full disclosure, I thought it was a little silly when they said they were making Hawk asexual. Why? Like it just seems why. Why not, wouldn't? I, I think he has more story potential if you give him put him in relationships once in a while. But it, it's all well and good, I guess. I. I guess I'll never know if I've ever, I'm sure I've met all, have I met a lot of people that are asexual? I have no idea. When would that ever come up in conversation? Uh, I've I've never thought of somebody who hasn't had a date at a prom or something as, oh, well, maybe he's asexual. Okay. But I, I don't know. This is, in many ways, maybe this is just an, a, another thing that an, an old conservative like me, I got to be educated about. And I guess, admittedly, that's, I got to admit, comic books in the last 10 years, I've gotten educated a little bit. And it's sort of uh, maybe uh, uh, helped me uh, open my minds and broaden my minds a little bit. And so uh, this is, this is, it's interesting. It's interesting. I didn't know Hawk was asexual. And it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know how you're, you know, I I hope they just leave it alone. I, I don't know how that can really make maybe necessarily a, is it doesn't really matter in terms of a story element, but we'll see what they do with it. I don't know, we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, that is something that's interesting, right? Like I talked about, not necessarily enjoying seeing these people kiss their interpersonal relationships. Um, I really can only think of like Superman and Lois that really you know where you see some part of the relationship in the comics that did used to be the case, certainly in things like Teen Titans under Wolfman and Perez. You know, we had the the wedding of Donna Troy and it it very much saw stuff with their private life. Same thing with the X-Men. You know, we'd see their, you know, Kurt's girlfriend or, you know, you had Colossus and Kitty and and that sort of thing. And that stuff sort of gone away. And I don't, I don't say that I don't want to see it to the point where I never want to see it, but I don't need every story. Like I'm saying to end, end with it, but I guess if you're looking for, you know, some drama Um, I don't see why you couldn't still have drama with somebody who's asexual. The drama would instead be somebody who's attracted to them and they're rebuffing and that could cause some, some tension. Maybe it's mean spirited. I I don't know. Uh, But I do agree with you a little bit on it. Um, And I think it all comes down to like, when did you discover the character and is it a character that you really like and enjoy and have a particular idea in your head of who they are? Right. So, um, and even though Connor Hawk was somebody that I, Enjoyed. He wasn't somebody that I like. Oh my god! I you know totally identify with him. And now that he's asexual, it, it bothers me. It bothers me a little more. Tim Drake, um, because I just I had I thought I knew who Tim Drake was, and turns out, you know, we're going to get to the Tim Drake story here in a minute. Um, yeah. But that that one I don't, I don't and again I don't want to say that it bothers me. It's just it takes a period of adjustment to change the idea in your head of who you. Okay, this character to me was this. And now there's something else, something being added to them. Actually, it's this additive um, where it, it sort of changes. And again, Tim Drake's young enough. I mean, you're like, well, didn't he go out with Stephanie Brown? Didn't he have a relationship with female? Well, yeah. I mean, he was young at the time. He was like junior high, high school. So still figuring it out. Maybe he didn't realize at the time. So, uh, yeah. I, but I don't know why it, it doesn't bother me at all that Connor Hawk's asexual. Um, yeah. Or I don't give I – should, I should say because, again, it doesn't bother me that Tim Drake is – is gay or bisexual. Um, But I don't, I didn't give a second thought to Connor Hawk being asexual where I did give a second, like Tim, I find out Tim Drake isn't heterosexual and I got to stop and I got to, you know, like digest that. (laughs) i got to process that a little bit. uh... But for Connor, I didn't, it just, so in a way it's interesting because I don't really remember any of the stories of Connor that I read where he had any relationships with, um, you know. Yeah. I, I can't
1: remember e- anyway. I can't remember either. Yeah. Maybe if somebody's listening and they want to comment but down below, I I can't remember Connor Hawk
0: ever having a I girlfriend. Mean, yeah. I mean he was raised maybe by monks, monks but I mean
1: I don't know. maybe he had yeah, an experience but... with a monk, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what turned <laughs> him off of sex. <laughs> yeah, uh, it traumatized. Him. Yeah, it, 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 it maybe that's you know, maybe that's why it makes it easier for me to accept that Connor or, or I that I don't give it a second thought. So yeah. anyway, the next story uh, up to bat. This one stars Alyssa Wong, and I, I I've heard the name, and I know she's been a supporting character in some, like either Birds of Prey or Batgirl or something before. But I gotta admit to not being um, really familiar with the character. But this one was this one was okay. She ends up beating Killer Moth, and granted, Killer Moth is not you know the most formidable villain, but he's still a villain, and she's just as far as I know just an average person. So I mean, she does take a lot of punishment before she finally manages to defeat killer moth. But it kind of reminded me of this week's Batman issue where I didn't think that the, the female detective and she, again, she's a police detective, so she's got more training than this person. Um, and she just puts on a costume and she's able to hold her own against multiple assailants. So that, that kind of reminded me of this. And then of course, very tropey that, uh, Barbara Gordon gives her the costume that she puts on to defeat killer moth. So, um, I expect to see more of Alyssa Wong in the future. Cause I think she's going to be in some TV show or maybe she was in bat woman. I, I don't know. I remember hearing something about her or no. Um, maybe she's going to be, she's going to be a character in the background movie. That's what it is. Um, because I remember, I, I think Alyssa Wong is a character that, um, that Gail Simone created. And I remember seeing Gail, uh, talking about it online, how excited she was that a character she created was going to be in the background movie. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know that much about her. I thought it was her defeating Killer Moth. Even though, again, it's Killer Moth, you know, he's only one step above Kite Man. I still (laughs) thought it was just a little, it was a little far-fetched, but the story was fine. Uh, And this is another one where it didn't, like, this could just be a regular story. Like, this doesn't, there's nothing in here that you think, oh, Alyssa Wong is a lesbian. Like, I. so, I don't know. This was one that stood out for that reason, you know, in a good way. So... Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah. Well, Alyssa Wong, she's, I think she's trans. She, it starts, she's at a trans con. Oh,
0: gotcha. A trans conference.
1: Okay. So, oh, okay. uh, Gotcha. and I, uh, uh, I, I always have to, I always mix it up. It, i I'm not, I'm not sure what's the difference between a trans woman and a trans man when you're born with one organ. And yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I yeah. So I think if you're
0: a trans woman, you were born with male parts. And you've transitioned to a woman, so you're a trans woman. Okay. And if you're okay. a trans man, you were born with female parts and you transition to a man. So yeah, yeah So she's so, a trans woman. Yeah.
1: yeah, and and this 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 is uh, this story is um, and again th- as a story, this is taking these these uh, you know this trans character and and elevating her giving her some agency to 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 be a hero in her own right give her a bat help her uh, defend bat girl from uh killer moth who is track who planted a tracking device on barbara gordon and this uh Lynn character is is helping uh uh bat girl and defends her va- uh, valiantly and it, it, you know it's a good art by a good art by uh, lin yoshi i thought i thought it was very well done uh, I actually think Lynn, that she looks like a sexy character. You know, God forbid, and uh, you know, so hey, this is a sexy character, interesting character. She's kick ass. She's uh, she uh, clearly at the beginning of the story. She's fighting for trans rights. She's expressing some doubt and some depression about uh, uh, how difficult it is to uh, to get uh, to to be trans and uh, to fight for uh, you know for I guess equality and what have you. And in fact, she expresses this, the sentiment expressed by the character Lynn, you know, she, uh, Lynn here is the same, uh, thing that Nicole Maines did at the introduction of this pride anthology. So a lot of those, uh, sentiments that Nicole Maines has in her opening, uh, pages are, are reflected in this character here. And, and to good effect, I, you know, I mean, yeah, like, again, it wasn't bad. Uh, uh, yeah. And I, I don't, it's, it'll be interesting to see if she is in the, in the Batgirl movie. This, this character is, um, you know, th- this is new. I've, I'm not familiar with this character at all. And I guess it's not surprising cause I, I think it was, this character's only a couple of years old, right?
0: Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, not bad. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. In the last 10 years. So. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, all right, let's move on. The next story. It, I mean, this is probably my favorite art in the book. I thought the art was really fantastic in the the Jackson Hyde story. Um, it's just it, it's almost like a painted quality, uh, digital painted. So it's it's really soft in places. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought it was it was done really really well uh, by W. Scott Forbes. I'm not really familiar with, with his art. I Haven't seen it before. Uh, but it's written by uh, Alyssa Wong. And it's nice. I mean, here's another character where, again, I don't give it a second thought. Jackson Hyde, as far as I know, was always um, homosexual. So again, it's not, I'm not trying to, you know, okay. I used to think of him as this way. Now I'm trying to think of him as other way. Uh, We've seen him flirt with the, I think it's highway. I think is how you pronounce it. Another Zabellian who uh, we saw recently in, in one of the limited series, I think Aquaman becoming where they were kind of, Making googly eyes at each other, one of the brunches that Jackson had with his family, so uh, with his mom. So uh, yeah, I thought this was was nice. It was it was kind of fun, um, and it it gave some good perspective. I almost felt like because uh, basically what happens in the story is uh, again Jackson Hyde is a Bellian, but his mother bec- because Jackson was the son of Black Manta, and once his mother realized who Black Manta was, she took Jackson Hyde. They moved to New Mexico for, as far from the water as they could get, trying to keep him away from the influence of his father. Um, so he didn't grow up in Zabel, and he doesn't know that much about it. So Haway takes him to meet his family and he's kind of learning about his, his, you know, true heritage or whatever. So I appreciated that. Uh, I appreciated that, you know, how accepting, um, hallway's family was not only of Jackson, but also of, of Hallway himself, obviously, you know, no problem with him being, um, homosexual. And, you know, I never stopped to think about it. Like our society has still has problems with it, right? There's still frontiers and prejudice and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you wonder about it, like, what a, Atlantis, what is Zabellians? You know, is it a thing there? You know, we talked about how it w- in Themyscira it probably wouldn't be a thing because that's the only action you can get. Um, so I thought it was interesting, but getting the perspective of Jackson, Jackson, because c- so basically they go to Haway's place first and and then, you know, they visit his, quote, hometown and then they go to Jackson's hometown, you know, so and Jackson was worried about showing Haway because it's not like he grew up in a great place, kind of a, you know, middle of nowhere, in New Mexico and. Um, you know Jackson's talking about having to hide who he was as a rebellion, but also in a way, it's very much a metaphor for having to hide his sexuality as well. Uh, and he t- talks about being sort of—he's like, "I was worried to bring you here. You know, it's kind of embarrassing. I don't really have the greatest childhood. You know, don't have the best memories of this place." Like, th- I think this is important, like character work for Jackson Hyde. This stuff should have been in Aquaman Becoming, yeah, or in the Aquaman series that's going on right now. Like again the the relationship stuff between him and Holloway, I you know whatever if they want to be boyfriend and boyfriend whatever i don't care um that that's to me not the strength of the story the strength of the story is the character work for for jackson um and there's a little bit of character work for hawkey too and if he, you know if jackson gets his own series or uh, you know uh, there's something else coming after aquaman that jackson's in if Howie was a supporting character you know as they're in a relationship i wouldn't have a problem with that either because i think he does have potential as a character um, but again, the the strength of this, I think, is this characterization of Jackson, and I feel like the the context that we're given here should have been, should have been in one of those other series that I mentioned. Um, so I did I did enjoy this one, and um, the last thing I have to mention is, uh, well, I guess it's the same artist that does the the color work now that I look at it because there's nobody listed as a color artist. So W. Scott For- Forbes is doing the line work and the colors because um, the colors are outstanding as well. Sometimes they're a little more uh, sort of misty looking. Uh, other times they're really saturated and dark. Uh, I particularly love the second to last panel of the story. We get just half of Jackson's face and his eyes, just so, so blue. It looks really, really great. So anyway, I, I did enjoy that story, especially for uh, the context that it brings to Jackson Hyde as a, as a character. And again, I, I think it's important stuff for Jackson, but, you know, a lot of people, even people who are fans of Aquaman are, you know, may miss this. And that's, that's a shame. I wish they'd put that somewhere else where more people might've seen it. Yeah. I echo echo your sentiments in particular. I
1: I thought it was very interesting. I did not know, uh, or I think maybe I kind of knew Jackson Hyde's origin, but I've long forgotten it, quite frankly. And this, I actually learned something about the character. You nailed it when you said there was actually some, Character development here, or if this if this was said before, this is a character reminder to me that oh, that's right, and to to bring his 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 character growth and that you know and relating it to his his the, you know his discovery of his sexuality and always hiding in the desert where his mother told to hide and, and to fit in to be normal, look normal when he didn't feel normal. Uh, that was a very, very good way. And I thought a very effective way to say, ah, oh, well that, that's actually pretty good. And like you said, that this is probably something that that, you know, just a couple of those panels, three or four of them in, in his main story with Jackson, I, the big, you know, with Alcheman the becoming, it's really sad that that wasn't in there as well, because, uh, because this is, it's, it's, it's very well done here. And, um, yeah, it was to really good effect and the 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 art by uh uh W Scott Forbes is is excellent and kudos to us uh to writer uh Alyssa Wong and uh letterer I- Arianna Mayer. This was uh, this was well done.
0: Yeah, the next one uh, might be aesthetically my favorite of the uh, just the the tone of it. Uh Gumshoe and Green, Tinny Howard's the writer, Evan Cagle, the artist, uh Lucas Gattoni does the letters. It it's mostly in black and white. But then we have like green, like the dialogue boxes are in green. Some of the drinks they're drinking are green. Uh, yeah. Until the end, we get a little uh, splash of color. Uh, it stars uh, Joe Mullen, uh, who is the, the Green Lantern uh, that in Far Sector. I, I'm not sure what her – I think she's just lesbian, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, but what's interesting, I love, uh, again, what this says. She's, she's back in the Far Sector. She's kind of playing this detective, what she likes to do. It's it even says, you know, gumshoe and green and a far sector mystery. There's allusions to the story of, uh, that was in far sector. And if you, you don't necessarily have to have read it, but if you've read it, this will make a lot more sense because she's talking about how some people are like sentient plants and whatnot. Other people are sort of cat people. Um, uh, but if you read that, it makes sense. They're basically this aliens that she's p- sort of putting these labels on. Yeah. But what I liked about the story is this idea, uh, that Joe Mullen pushes back against that if you're a homosexual, that you just desire everybody of the opposite sex, right? So I guess she must be – now that I think about it, Joe Mullen must be, uh, must be bi. She is yeah. bisexual, yeah. Yeah, because basically what happens in the story is this woman comes in to hire her. This woman – she's one of the plant species. She comes in to hire her and she says, my husband's cheating on me. And so she goes in uh, – Joe Mullen goes and follows the husband. And then the husband eventually makes contact and there's some sexual attraction between Joe and the wife and between Joe and the husband but not not a lot right but it's that perspective and again you know I'm heterosexual does that mean I'm attracted to every single woman I come across no of course not but yet there is that perception uh it's it's maybe a perception that's not as common as it used to be, but it's like i I know I personally know people like guys that i went to high school or whatever like i don't want to be around gay guys because all they'll do is hit on me or, or want to have sex it's like how full of yourself are you <laughs> you know not every woman wants you that means not every man wants you and it's kind of what joe pushes back against this couple here she's like you guys hired me and it was just a big game for you um you know just because i'm bisexual doesn't mean that uh i want to have sex with every you know, every, person you know walking that would that would be ridiculous right so uh i did enjoy it i enjoyed seeing joe kind of lose her temper and lash out at these two uh for their ridiculous thoughts um about what it means to be uh bisexual so i did enjoy that and like i said the, the aesthetic i think just really worked the, the with the black and white or gray uh against the green uh, especially when joe lashes out i think uh, aesthetically it was it was pretty interesting so what do you think um I, well, I, I echo
1: a little bit of your sentiments on this one, except for the fact that it, uh, I actually, I, I it, it was clear to me that that, that was the, the message they were trying to get across is that, yeah, not all bisexuals want to screw everything that walks. Uh, but I actually thought it failed in that regard because Joe Miolyn did flirt with both of them. She was attracted to both of them. And I was, I, I actually thought that, I, I thought for a moment that she was actually going to sleep with both of them. <laughs> and she actually in in the far sector uh comic book uh she is intimate with uh with a woman and she's fairly flirtat- you know she's very flirtatious as well so I, I i actually think that uh my familiarity with the character i thought she overreacted here and was the bad guy in this story uh they were uh they flirted with each other she flirted with them she was attracted to both of them they were in the room and then joe molin decides to attack them at the end attack them for what uh, this is violence. This was this was this was just straight up violent. This was assault, and this was done by Joe Millen. I mean, the comment made to her. I mean, these these were people that this this uh, this couple was were they were attracted to her. They're, she's in their room, and they say to her, "I mean, you're you're I mean, you're a Green Lantern and a bisexual. It's just funny. Uh, we aren't exactly known for our willpower. Ha ha." And then she freaks out and says, "What did you just say to me?" I mean. Yeah, but I mean, but it, I mean it, how many? Were, just but, but, just a minute, though. Like, just, I just want to back up for a second. I know, I know, bisexuality is very common. It's it's m- much more common than I'm, I'm, than than homosexuality. All right, this, this this preconception, there isn't this huge preconception that bisexual gonna go around and they're sleep with everybody. This was, I thought this was ridiculously overplayed, and I I personally thought that this was, I thought this was laughable and comical, and this she should be ashamed of herself. The conduct of a bit talk about having no willpower i mean the the couple was right she the green lantern and this guy <laughs> was in the was wrong
0: right i no mean, I mean like, just, if, it was it was appalling her if conduct have, if you haven't <laughs> experienced that 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 people think that then that's great but again I, I don't even live in that world and i've experienced that maybe not specifically with bisexuals but definitely with Homosexuals, or people think, "Oh, if they're if it's a gay guy, he wants to sleep with every <laughs> I'm just every saying, he comes across." Look, this. But, I, I'm just the saying the way this, this, the this doesn't this, come across well. I mean, it, and I, I I I do agree with you that she does flirt with them, but there's a far cry from flirting to actually, you know, what these two want to do to her. And the other thing is, you say they she want to have sex hate with hate her, hate. and she assaults them. They, they didn't they, do anything. I, they, they, they express the sexual interest, and she assaults them. But they're not express. They're you You've read far sector right you know that these carnivorous these plants are carnivorous, and they eat people and they they say to her uh you know you're the perfect thing to break our carnivorous fast. they're going to literally eat her it's not it's a for for the plants it's all it's all like the their sexual their sexuality and eating of of meat of flesh and the smell that's all like one big like sort of ecstasy moment for them. So they're they're threatening to kill her. They're going to eat her. They're going to break their carnivorous fast by eating her and they attack her with their well, plant tentacles. Well, well then, and that's when she freaks out.
1: Well,
0: that's when well, she freaks out. So I don't well, see it as so much self defense. Uh,
1: okay, well there's <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm seeing the tentacles now. Is that what that was? Okay. Yes. Maybe the the art was. Uh, I lost a little bit in the translation looking at uh, looking at the art there. But uh, but when she says what, I mean, I mean, then the actual, then the real reason why she should be angry is that these, turn, these turned into tentacles. This was a tentacle creature. She shouldn't be angry because she thought, they think that bisexuals want to just have, are, 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 are sexual. I mean, the, the motivation here, I mean, if she's being attacked and her life's in danger, I mean, they're just luring her in. I just, I, I don't know. Like, I just, this thing, this thing just sort of like, it was lost in translation for me.
0: I I Well, f- but, f- fair enough. I thought, I thought it worked so didn't work for you that that's fine so uh, let's move on the next one is public display of electromagnetism stars the ray um this might be uh, greg lockhart writer uh giulio massioni as the artist Th- this was probably my least favorite um the, let's face it the ray's a pretty minor character um in, in terms of the story and the message it sends i i get it uh the Ray sort of freaks out when his boyfriend tries to kiss him in front of a bunch of other people. Again, he, he's not a hundred percent comfortable with being, you know, out uh, you know, with his sexuality and what have you. I mean, everybody knows, but it's one thing for everybody to know. It's another thing to actually, you know, kiss uh, your boyfriend in front of people and it's not like you're shoving it in their face, but it, it, anyway, it freaks him out. And so again, it's, it's sort of he- a heavy handed message and something I'm sure a lot of uh, people who had struggled to come out and be honest about who they are, or, or they've been afraid to be honest about who they are could probably relate to. Uh, but I don't have that experience. So for me, like, again, I understood it, um, you know, in terms of the meta textual stuff. Um, but it, it, it was like, I don't know, it, maybe if it was somebody that I was more familiar with or more invested with as a character than the Ray, um, I would care more, but yeah, I was just kind of, this one's kind of shrugged my shoulders. Like, okay. Uh, so yeah, I don't really have much much else to say about it. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. It was uh, I don't know much about, about the Ray. I, I mean I I think the last time my my affiliation with the Ray, I always think of him more when I think of the Freedom Fighters. But that might be a different.
0: That's probably, a different, yeah. That's different a different
1: Ray. So I um I I can't really say I've I've ever had an affiliation or a familiarity with this character. And but this was a very. This is just a guy who shives typical situation you're whether you whether you're shy you don't want to some people don't like public displays of affection and some people are comfortable with it some people aren't and it's the appropriate it's a great title for this series public display of electromagnetism appropriate for the character as uh, uh character's power set um i thought it maybe a little tropey uh there wasn't uh you know we we talked before like you know with with the Jackson Hyde story that we like, there were some character moments, some actual character revelation there. Uh, I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit of maybe some character revelation here too, other than just the fact that he's breaking his shyness and kissing his boyfriend. But uh, but hey, like you said, it's it's tropey, but you know, it's another. I'm sure it's something that people can relate to in terms of uh, regardless of your sexuality of uh, being, you know a little bit uh, leery to show public affection.
0: But. Yeah, pretty much the only thing that I know about the Ray was that he was created by Joe Casado, Joe as a co-creator. And I remember that foil cover from the 90s on the number one where he's like flying up and it was a foil right. cover because of course, because of course it was, because it was, I think it came out in 94. So right. right in the middle of the, right before the crash. So yeah. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, next up is, is Tim Drake, special delivery story and art by Travis Moore. Uh, so the, uh, the I can't, you skipped fault one, there. didn't you? Oh, Bats, did
1: Bats in the cradle.
0: Oh, sorry. I did. I did. Uh, yeah. So we have the Batman, Batwoman, uh, by Stephanie Phillips. Now, man, I really want a Stephanie Phillips, Batwoman series. I, I'm, I love Bat as much as I wasn't, you know, didn't watch the TV show, not a fan of the CW. I love Batwoman as a character. Uh, so I thought the art by Samantha Dodge was also very, very good, but this is another one where. There's not a whole lot of the uh, LGBTQ stuff in here, other than uh, we get a little bit of a. It's it's kind of a quick and dirty origin story of of Batwoman. And yeah, it's, that, that's all you know, it is. Like, it's just an origin yeah. story.
1: It recites yeah. her origin. That's it. Nothing new. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but her father's the one that's narrating it, and I did appreciate that. You know, as a, a father who has a daughter, and uh, especially the portions where Kate has to come to her father, who obviously you know strong military man. I I. You wonder what his um, thoughts uh, or opinions on LGBTQ would be if it wasn't his own daughter, who obviously he has love for, um, what his opinion would be. And kudos to him because there are some people who are so ingrained in their upbringing or old-fashioned thinking that you know they, they find out and they kind of disown their own kids. He, he swings the other way, right? And he's totally willing to, to die for her. Um, and when she comes and has to say yeah i got I got kicked out of of the army or West Point or wherever whatever I think she'd gotten through West Point right and she was in the army uh, and she gets kicked out for um article one twenty five which is homosexual conduct in the u uh, s m c United States military code of conduct um, and he's like you, he tells her like again unconditional love you kept your honor you kept your in, integrity, I love you, proud of you, you know, what have you, trains her to become Batwoman and, and whatever. So yeah, quick and dirty, but, uh, origin story, but, but a good reminder of what a great character, um, she is. And don't get me wrong. Uh, Sam Kane isn't, the, you know, he's not going to win father of the year or anything like that. Um, but he definitely loves his daughters. So I'll, I'll give him that. So yeah, it, it I mean, it's a Batwoman story. It's Stephanie Phillips. So yes, I enjoyed it. It wasn't one of the – not one of the ones that ended with a kiss. So that was <laughs> had something else they had going for it. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I don't have much much to add. I thought it was well done. I, uh, the art by Samantha Dodge I thought was uh, pretty good. I like the coloring by Marissa L- Louise. And uh, yeah, it, it was well done. I would actually I, – I, I absolutely wish that – I actually think Stephanie Phillips would be a better fit on Batwoman than she is on Harley Quinn. And uh, and and having read this, even though this is just an origin story, there's something about Stephanie Phillips. I know she's into Muay Thai boxing, and I know she's, you know, she's she just she she kind of has that superhero mentality, and she's passionate about comics. I she's more of a Batwoman than a Harley Quinn type in my mind. You know, you know we I know we I, you uh, were nice enough to let me sort of co-interview her interview uh her that one time and uh she seemed like uh you've interviewed her a number of times after that so uh she seems like uh i think that would be right up her alley batwoman and uh you know so we'll see what the future holds for her after after who knows i'm sure at some point she's going to be writing more batwoman we'll have to we'll have to wait and see
0: yeah didn't she do the batman urban legends batwoman story that was a two-parter oh. i think she, did, she might I have she I, I don't them.
1: know i can't remember
0: yeah and, and yeah, and I still lament the the J. H. Williams Batwoman story at the time was like the best art in comics and he left the book because D C pulled some shenanigans about uh Batwoman's relationship and the whole nobody's getting married, blah, blah, blah. It was so annoying. because, um, yeah. man, that book was, was gorgeous. So. And his
1: Echolands, uh, J. H. Williams Echolands by him is is fantastic. You check yeah. out that for those people yeah. who are interested in yeah. yeah, go
0: go check out my chat with him. Uh, and then go yeah. check out <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah uh, so anyway uh onto the one I I tried to get to I was so excited to get to it um special delivery story and art by Travis Moore the art is absolutely fantastic this does star Tim Drake uh if you did read that Batman urban legends I think it was a three part story where uh where Tim and you saw it before me you know Tim goes out with I can't even, I don't did they even say the guy's name here I was trying to remember what his name was Bernard, Bernard that's Bernard, it yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah, right after we read the first story, you're like, oh, they, they're going to make uh, Tim Drake gay or bisexual. I was like, I don't necessarily see that, but you were a hundred percent right. I was wrong. Um, and maybe I was just in denial. Uh, so yeah, this does add a different aspect to Tim Drake. And again, it doesn't bother me. It's just, I haven't gotten my head fully wrapped around it yet. I, I think I, you know, I, as long as I keep reading stories like this, I think it'll sink in through my thick skull. Um so I do I do enjoy this. And here's the thing about it, right? Like as much as I say, well, obviously they didn't plan on making Tim Drake whenever he was first created. They didn't plan on making him uh, bisexual or homosexual. Um, but if you go back and look, if you go back – and this is the reason and I think I've heard um, people talk about this before um, and not Travis Moore, but I'm trying to remember the name of the, the, uh, the creator who did the Future State, Tim Drake. Uh, Future State Robin, and has written and w- was the one that wrote the story of him. Um, Megan Bernard. Megan Pat- Patrick Megan Fitzpatrick, Megan, yeah, Megan Fitzpatrick, exactly. Thank you. Um, I think I saw her t- talking about this, and and uh, the more I've read these type of stories and seen Tim and Bernard together, the more it's sort of clicking for me. If you go back and read that Robin series, there's so many times where Tim. It was very rare, and you know, maybe it was part of the whole dark and gritty time. But it was very rare that Tim seemed happy. He was very much an, a character filled with a lot of angst, you know, not unlike Peter Parker back in the day. You know, he always had these problems in high school, and you know, juggling trying to get good grades, and and you know, relationship with Stephanie Brown, and being Robin, and you know, his his uh, keeping his identity secret from his parents, and then they find out, and then his mom's killed, and his dad's injured. And, like, just it was a very it wasn't like this happy-go-lucky story or character. You know, he he always struggled to sort of fit in, and so I get what Megan Fitzpatrick is saying that like, yeah, th- this actually works on that level, because when you read this story by Travis Moore, what do you see on Tim Drake's face? He's act- when he's with Bernard, he actually looks happy. He's actually smiling, which isn't necessarily something you, that I remember seeing Tim Brown a, uh, 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 uh not Tim Brown, uh, Tim Drake. Brown? Uh, Yeah, we can. Yeah, Tim Brown, the football player. Uh, yeah, Tim Drake. Not just not a kind of a default setting that I'm used to him. I'm just not used to seeing him smile. Uh, and when he's with Bernard, he smiles. So maybe they didn't plan on it. Maybe that's part of the reason that they picked Tim Drake. Maybe they, hey, we need more of a legacy character that's been around for you know this this amount of time, And, and and so it does actually fit. It does actually make sense. Um, even if it's not, you know, the choice that I would have made for for Tim Drake, whatever. If I if I wanted to, I should have tried to become a comic book writer, and then I could have had him be who I wanted him to be. Uh, but this is who he is f- for DC Comics right now, and yeah, uh, at least he seems happy. I'll give him that because uh, he is still my favorite Robin. So, what do you think?
1: Uh, this was uh, artistically. This is absolutely beautiful like this is a very well rendered the the final page in particular with the with the happy first pride cake that's been damaged because uh tim drake as robin ends up getting you know has his little uh you know stopping those villains what have you uh and it's wrecked but it's a it's a nice heartfelt gift for uh bernard and uh they're just you know they're 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 very close and uh the relationship is progressing and this is uh, very well done. This is very well done. This is—it's uh, unfortunate that uh, that a lot of these stories. I wish there there are particular moments and scenes in some of these stories that I wish were in the actual mainstream titles. Because let's face it, this is not going to sell well. This anthology. This is not. This isn't. This, I mean, this is this is a. I think it'll sell really, really
0: well. But I think it'll sell to people who don't read the other stuff, and the people who read the other stuff won't. Well, uh, this, you know what I mean? Okay. I, uh, I, I, I mean, the, the right. one last year, I I, I the one, want, last, I want, year, the one yeah. last year sold really, really well. Did it get really? people. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It did. Extremely well, I know well.
1: that the, uh, uh, the love comp, I, I know, I know that uh love is love comp, uh, thing. Yeah. The Valentine really well. one
0: was a dog. Yeah. Uh, but again, you have people that are coming in that they want to support LGBTQ and this is the only DC comic they buy, you know, Okay, the only comic book they buy.
1: Well, then if, if, if you're right, and then this sells well, then that defeats the point I I thought I was making. I, I just, I, uh, I know that, and maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just my own misperceptions, but I know a lot of the people I talk about comics with, Frankly, outside of us, because we review all these comics, because we—that's what we do when we when we do our for the podcast or for the live stream here. Uh, A lot of people that they don't read this. They they don't read
0: this. Right on. the the people that are reading DC comics regularly. No, your point is one hundred percent valid. I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. This sells really well, and it sold really well last year. Sold really well, also, but it's not selling to the people that read the mainstream DC. Yeah, this is this is you know 6000 people that never buy another comic that come in once a year to buy this you know you see what i'm saying they don't buy anything else they don't care about anything else they're buying this to support lgbtq that's what they think they're doing right and and to see characters in the books that to see themselves represented and maybe some of them read other stuff but most of them don't see what I'm saying, like it sells well, but it yeah. there's not a lot of it's not, there's not a lot of crossover. The people that do need to see these character moments to your point are the ones that you know are fans of the universe that sh- that need that context for Jackson Hyde, or it would help to have this context for Tim Drake that aren't going to see it so i I think your point is well made actually yeah
1: well so. I mean hopefully we know that uh there was at least that one story of, of Multiversity Teen Justice that was in an anthology they took and they reprinted it for free in, teen, in the first issue of Multiversity Teen Justice. And so hopefully they'll maybe do something like this because I, th- I do think a lot of these moments for these LGBTQ characters, a lot of these, these moments ought to be reflected in the mainstream comics to the more of the mainstream DC
0: audience. And I, I, hope, they, I hope that happens. Yeah, I agree. The next story, uh, probably my second, least favorite only because it felt very much like fan service. And it's also like, man, we've had a ton of poison Ivy and Harley stories, but I don't know how you really do a pride uh, book without putting them in there. Cause they're the most well-known same sex couple, but it, it, it didn't really do anything for me. You know, they they're fighting because they have a misperception of who the, you know, each other is. I thought the art by Zoe Thorogood was really dynamic though. Um, Although the color, the whole thing looked like I had, I had to check my, the coloring on my computer screen. Cause I was like, why does, why does everything on my computer screen look bluish? There was like this blue filter <laughs> over it from this Jeremy Lawson. So uh, yeah, I don't really have much to say about this one. It was only okay. I, it didn't do much for me. What'd you think? Uh, I thought this
1: one was the most, uh, I don't know. I uh, Maybe it was just my own little fantasy playing cause you know, full disclosure, you know, I really like Harley and uh, Poison Ivy together. <laughs> so they're like sexy. I love the characters. Uh, I'm just predisposed to like them because what's not to like? I'm a Purian fanboy at heart. I'm a I'm a white male heterosexual and uh, these gorgeous lesbians. Hey, man, I'm, I'm all for them. And this seemed to be the most, uh, I thought, was the most sexual out of all the stories. <laughs> and so I, it was... Uh, put a little bit of a shit-eating grin on my face when it, when I, uh, when I, when I paged through it, this was, I particularly loved Har- Harley and, Harley and uh, Poison Ivy, are you know, they're, they're, they're teasing each other, and even though they're kind of arguing, and they're, they're getting into an argument, and there's a misunderstanding, they, and they come to some realizations about each other, they they, they, they ultimately, I mean, they realize obviously that they, you know, I mean, it's a little tropey, they love each other at the end, and, but, uh, you know, they end up with with the kiss at the end, it, it it's sort of like it reminded me a lot of the stuff with the uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang, Harley Car- Harley and Quinn cartoon in the Harley Quinn comic book. Except that the artistic style is obviously uh, very different. Zoe Thorogood's uh, art is it, it's very very stylistic, and maybe it's not for everyone. But it it, it does have a it does have a, have its own sort of majesty to it that I I kind of like, particularly with the uh, coloring of uh, Jeremy Lawson. So I thought it was it was fun it It put a smile on my face
0: oh glad glad one of us enjoyed it <laughs> uh okay, up next we have uh earth eleven story it's uh it's teen justice again uh, you know rocky mentioned we we talked about the the teen justice issue number one yesterday multiversity team justice and there's even a teaser for it at the end of this story um I felt like this one sort of had a lot of the same problems that the uh the book yesterday had it's a lot of characters they're all thrown at us at once um it, it not only is it the whole idea of a uh, Jess chambers who's a non-binary uh, character um so that obviously fits in with pride month but then there's all these like everybody else on earth 11 their gender is swapped so if the character is a male in, uh, you know, on the regular DC Earth, they're female. And If they're female on the regular DC Earth, they're male. So you have that aspect of it as well. But that doesn't necessarily mean their uh, their sexual orientation has changed. But again, they're in uh, the Teen Justice is in here because of Jess Chambers, and she she's the one that narrates the story. She's uh, identifies as non-binary, and g- they go up against uh, the classic. Uh, Teen Titan foes, the the fearsome five. So it worked on that level for me. And there was certainly more action than we had yesterday uh, or in, in this earlier this week's uh, multiversity teen justice. But it, it, man, if, if DC wants this to work, they need, they need like a, I hate to say it, but like, I don't want, want to say a slower paced book because I don't want it to drag. Cause then you end up with like Nubian queen of the Amazons number one, which is, you know, not the best way to hook readers for a debut issue, but I don't know. I just felt like this one, the story, there was too much going on. There's too many characters. Maybe it's just, we need a little dialogue box whenever anybody shows up because we do get uh, just a little box that says their name, but how about like their name and what their powers are or or that sort of thing. But we do get little dialogue boxes that tell us who the different characters of the, the fearsome five are. We don't get that for the uh, members of teen justice. I just feel like, people that are trying to understand who all these characters are and, and like, well, why is, um, you, know, you know, why is uh, uh, Robin female here? You know, why is uh, Troy male here that, you know, it's not, I don't know. I didn't think it was new reader friendly. Uh, There's a lot going on. It's kind of hard to follow. So anyway, yeah. what do you think? I, I, again, I I agree
1: with you. And, you know, it's funny, JC, you you and I can disagree on a a, a lot of things. And I I kind of enjoy it. Sometimes we have more fun when we disagree and we can go back and forth. Like when we disagree about a Green Lantern story or something like we just had in this anthology, it can be fun. Uh, But, but it makes me sometimes I think when we we've universally agreed every time we review something about teen justice, uh, and it, it, and it's, it 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 i agree with you 100% it's just there's something about it it's there's just it's we're not you feel lost right you feel it, lost yeah really? i feel like, lost what, i I, I don't on? feel just when i i want to i want to i actually want to stop in some of the scenes and just maybe get to know some of the characters a little bit more but we're jumping around we're jumping to a different scene and and it's almost uh, it's almost like 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 the flash Jesse quick with every every time he's he, he she i guess talks Super fast, and I feel the stories like that, and then we're, and then it seems to me this is the the entire concept of teen justice. We're supposed to be attracted to the concept. Oh, they're all gender swapped. Okay, but that's not a story. Uh, yeah. Slow it down. Like the concept is cool, but I don't. I don't but, find that particularly interesting. That's super tropey. Yeah, and know? not only that, if if you're going to have it in a pride comic, and and maybe I'm being overly, <laughs> so if you're gender swapping, then. So if you're trans does that mean like you're a trans man you're a trans woman then if you're on Earth 11 how does that yeah. work for sexuality like i i mean again i'm not i'm not trying to be a i'm not, i'm just asking a serious question Yeah uh, are you a, are you a double agent are you a triple agent like yeah. and, and i guess <laughs> if you're non binary that means you're kind of neutral so that means are you the same on 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 yeah, any I earth guess, like yeah. i i I don't know but anyways uh I want to. uh, I'll give some credit. I will say this as a uh, because we've been a little negative on it. Writers Danny Lur and Ivan Cohen. Ivan Cohen uh, has been, and Danny Lur, I think they've been writing all all the stories for Teen Justice. I can tell as a compliment to them. I will say that they have a lot of ideas in their head. I do think that I, I do notice that there's consistency in the in the dialogue and the voices they're giving the characters. I, they just need to slow down and let the readers get to know the characters more. I, I, I do get a sense that they know what they're doing and that they have a story to tell. They just need to slow it down a little bit. I, I appreciate the fact that they, they want to get a story finished because I, 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 you know, it's frustrating. I, I, I don't like too much decompression, but at the same time, it feels like they're trying to do a little bit too much. They're going from, they're, they, you know, they're, they got to slow it down, like you said.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think either one of them, it, you know, has done a ton of comic work. I mean, Danny, her her, uh, her profile's been on the rise for over the last four, five years or so, yeah. which is great because she's uh, super talented. But yeah, I agree. It, it, it's kind of a a mistake somebody on the newer end makes because they're like, man, I don't, we don't know how many more issues we're going to get, or you know, we only have X amount of pages, and this is a story we want to tell. So, in order to do that, we've we've got to go at a breakneck pace, <laughs> and there's a lot of dialogue, and it feels choppy. Um, and that being said, we should give credit to Brittany Williams, the artist, because there's a lot going on in this story and the transitions from panel to panel, it really jumps around. It's not necessarily what you consider, you know, traditional comic book storytelling, but she does a good job. I never had to stop and go back to a previous panel to understand what was going on. It, it was more feeling lost because like Rocky said, they're, they're, I, I don't have any, I can't relate to these characters. I don't, I don't know who they are um you know and the only thing i have to go on is okay well i know who their earth 0 or earth 1 counterparts are and that's all i have to kind of go on but their personalities aren't lining up with who you know which they shouldn't because they, they are gender swapped and they've had different experiences they need to be their own characters but it, yeah it just makes it maybe that's why it's confusing to me I, I don't know but i agree with you like slow down a little bit um you know I, Maybe, again, it all comes down to sales, right? Like a series of of one-shots or eight-page stories just starring, you know, just one of these Teen Justice characters. So, I mean, the only one that we really have gotten to know at all is Jess Chambers, and and even that is more like surface-level stuff. So, uh, anyway, there's one more story to go. In my mind, it's far and away the best story in the uh, anthology. There is an advisory uh, to the readers, because it is a true story. Um, and so there's some language in there that could be triggering for some people. There's some, some slurs, uh, gay slurs and whatnot. But it's called Finding Batman. And I have to applaud Kevin Conroy, who wrote the story, who – that name sounds familiar. It's because he was the voice of Batman in uh, the Batman animated series, which brought a ton of people – two comics, brought a ton of people uh, to Batman and made them Batman fans. So this is him sharing his story as a gay man in theaters uh, or, or, you know, in, in theater, trying to become an actor and that sort of thing. And, you know, he's of a generation where, you know, it was very much not accepted. Uh, Especially I can speak from experience. He grew up in an Irish Catholic family in the fifties and sixties. And the Catholic church was very um, anti-gay at the time. So uh, I, again, I applaud Kevin Conroy for his bravery and putting himself out there with the story. I thought it was fantastic. Um, More compelling than any of the stories, any of the other stories. And Rocky and I were talking before we started recording, I almost would rather instead of these uh, characters that are uh, part of the LGBTQ plus community telling the stories of these characters, characters who are part of the LGBT community of the DC Universe, I almost would rather have had them tell their own stories like like Kevin Conroy did. Maybe their stories aren't as interesting as Kevin's because they weren't all the voice of Batman or they weren't all the voice of beloved uh, DC characters. Um, but there's something that's really compelling about, you know, everybody has a story. It's, it's why I, I love people. I love hearing people's stories. Everybody's been through stuff. Everybody has baggage. Everybody has interesting stories to tell about their life. And the experiences they've had, and I find that to be compelling, and sometimes much more compelling than uh, you know, fictional, made up stories of of superheroes. So, I thought this was fantastic. Again, I felt it was super brave from Kevin Conroy to to share this. Um, and I don't know that i I don't know like before this was announced that I knew Kevin Conroy was gay, but apparently, it's not like he's necessarily been hiding it. Uh, at least not in the in the circles of of Hollywood from uh, the things that he went that he went through. So uh, again, I just thought this was great. The art by Jay Bone. It's um, it's very independent comic looking um, and there's very light color. It's basically black and white with like some blue, uh, some blue tone as opposed to gray tone. Um, and I thought it worked. I thought it worked really, really well. I, I love this far and away without question, my, my favorite story. And again, I, I think it will inspire uh, some people to be true to who they are. So what were your thoughts on it
1: uh i i thought this was really heartfelt i uh full disclosure i had i had no idea of i had no idea that kevin conroy was uh was was gay i had no idea i i found out reading this and and wow what a story what a you know this is a story uh of this is an inspiring story uh you know good for him and uh and it's heartfelt, and it was actually even a little some tragedy here as well, but with, with with a with a happy ending. I mean, and I I love how I just love how it ends with him getting the job as the voice of Batman. I mean, here's a guy who you know, so how many you know, so many uh, people who I I can only imagine growing up feeling different and apart because of their sexuality, and not having a voice, and here's one of those individuals growing up to be literally the voice of Batman. I mean, really. You couldn't, you I mean, just saying it that, you know, it's like, wow, what a great story. And, and the way that he relates, you know, when they, when he applied for the part for the, to be the voice actor for Batman, you know, how could he relate to that? Well, you know, just as Bruce Wayne, his, his parents dying in his arms and, and his, he's recalling him there being by his father's bedside and also helping his brother who was, uh, I believe his brother was struggling with, with addiction and alcoholism and, Uh, you know he found a way as an actor and as a voice actor and to to find his voice which became Batman's voice that's how we related to that tragedy I thought that was a very 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 personal story here and it worked very very well and I think I think the art was perfect for it it didn't need to be colored I mean that the subdued uh, nature of the the black and the blue and the uh, and then that the final pa- working into that final panel of, of just playing stark blackness and the the picture of Bruce Wayne instead of uh, Kevin himself, I thought it worked extremely well uh, by far this is by far the best story here in this entire anthology, and it's almost unfair to compare it to the other stories because this is a real story, and it just goes to show you that the true, actual, real stories are the best ones to tell. You know, every life is a biography, and I'm really glad that uh, Kevin uh, shared this one with with readers.
0: Yeah, again, it's, the guy's had an incredible career, Uh, you know, did you know that when he was going to, uh, I think, I think it was when he was going to Juilliard, uh, in New York that his roommate was um was Robin Williams Oh really? I did not
1: know that. Yeah. No.
0: yeah. Wow. And he was also uh friends with Kelsey Grammer who was there at the same time. So, oh wow. That's something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He, he he's and he's such a nice guy. Like I I've interviewed him before uh not for the well for the podcast but but in never one-on-one interviews it's always been like round tables and doing press like when I was at New York Comic Con a few years ago uh there was a uh, a press room for the 25th anniversary of the debut of Batman, the Unmade Series. And um, and the, I think it was the 20th, 20th anniversary, 25th. I don't remember. But anyway, um, yeah, he's a, he's a super nice guy, obviously really, really talented. And I love the fact that, um, I, I don't know, was it the CW that he, he got to play an older Batman, like a live action, older Batman?
1: Uh, yeah. In Crisis, they, they had the Crisis crossover The, yeah. the cri- on for the CW network. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I thought that was, uh, that was fantastic. So, uh, so anyway, that does it. That's the pride, uh, the pride a- anthology for this year. I have to admit, I, I enjoyed last year's stories. I thought the the quality overall of last year's stories were, uh, were just a little bit higher. Uh, I-, I enjoyed them a little bit more, um, not to take anything away from, from these stories. You know, I know these character uh, these creators poured their heart and soul into them. Uh, and again, I'm glad this exists and it gives a chance for, uh, people that are part of the LGBTQ plus community to, to see people they can identify with in comic stories. Um, But far and away that Kevin Conroy story, like you said, heartfelt is the, the perfect, uh, the perfect word for it. Heartfelt and brave, I would say are the two words I would use to describe it. Um, Definitely worth the price of, uh, of admission. So uh, any last thoughts before we close it out? Uh, No, I just, uh,
1: uh, you know, I, Full disclosure: I had some reluctance wanting to before diving into this 110-page comic, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. It just and uh, it, you know, this, uh, you know, I, I learned some things. I, I actually did, and it just goes to show you that sometimes. Uh, that's why I enjoy reading these uh, comics with you. And uh, there, there's always something, you know. I'm, I'm a little bit smarter now than I was, you know, an hour ago. God forbid. <laughs> And then I'm going to probably go and have a drink of whiskey and it's going to, I'm going to lose a few brain cells. So I, I, I,
0: one step forward, two steps back, you know,
1: that's how it works. There you go.
0: There you go. That's life. Uh, well, that's going to do it, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe to Rocky's channel on YouTube. If you're listening to the audio only version of this, just head over to YouTube, do a search for comic boom, exclamation point, comic space, boom, exclamation point, uh, subscribe to the channel, ring the notification bell. So, you know, when new content comes out and be sure and like this video and leave your comments below. Uh, if you're checking us out on YouTube and you want to be sure not to miss any of the audio-only content on the Comic Source, just go to your favorite podcasting app or a podcasting platform on your favorite smart device, do a search for the Comic Source, and hit subscribe. So uh, that's going to do it. We really thank you for joining us and supporting, as always, and we'll talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog@gmail.com. at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash source. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.